0: Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast.
1: Welcome everyone to episode number 149 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm Adam. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. Adam, I'm super excited because I just got back from GateCon the Invasion. This was the big Stargate convention in Vancouver, British Columbia last weekend.
0: Yeah, and it looked like a lot of fun. I was not there in person, but I was there in spirit Uh, the entire weekend. I was on Twitter following and retweeting and kind of living vicariously through the um, social media on the floor. And it it looked fantastic. Like it just it looked like that kind of rich Stargate community that, that I've missed. You know, to see all these people in the same room again, it just kind of gets the inner fanboy psyched.
1: Yeah, you were there in spirit. I, I felt your spirit hovering over the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I hope we tweeted enough for you to keep you uh, entertained, you and, and everybody else who was not able to be there. Uh, several of the panels throughout the weekend were live streamed by Stargate Command. Uh, that's our main discussion topic for this podcast is GateCon 2018. Uh, let's get to it. The main discussion. So first we have a bit of news or maybe a lack of news to talk about, which is a lot of us were going into GateCon 2018 expecting MGM to have some kind of announcement to make. We know that things have been in the works sort of behind the scenes since March when Stargate Origins finished uh, at Stargate Command. I was on the Stargate panel at San Diego Comic-Con and there was not a big news announcement there. I was hoping that something would be ready to announce by GateCon. Uh, It was a really exciting weekend. Brad Wright was there. He talked a bit about the future of the franchise and how MGM wants to bring Stargate back. But there was no big announcement yet.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of unexpected and expected at the same time. I think in retrospect, I'm like, well, of course, it probably was going to take more time. But like. When you're you're hearing things and you're getting hyped and you know people are talking behind the scenes and, and Stargate Command has been vocal that there are discussions and there there is a stage of planning that is occurring behind closed doors at MGM. Um you're hopeful at least for something. Like for me, I thought maybe they were gonna green light like another Origins-esque project. You know, something that's small and producible isn't right. the main course, but it's kind of like the side salad you get at a really nice dinner that you're building up to a, a killer steak. I don't know. I think it's just going to take more time. My like my spirit isn't crushed. I don't think you know Stargate is over or this era has misfired. I just think it's going to take more time, and we should probably not try to put any dates that we're expecting. You know, kind of like lower your expectations, so when something does come, it'll be really surprising and, and
1: encouraging. Yeah. So now I feel like like you and me and Stargate fans are kind of the kids in the back of the car who keep asking mom and dad, <laughs> when are we going to be there? Are, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And the reality of, of the business is we're going to be there when we're there. When all the deals are signed for whatever it is they're working on, whoever it is they're working with, as soon as they've got those sorted out and the deal's signed, then we get to know what the project is. Now, here's my theory of the case. My theory of the case is if they were just going to do uh, the same thing that they did last year, a kind of lower budget web series. Uh, they probably would have announced it by now because that's not a, a yeah. big lift to just do what they did last year. Uh, my theory of the case is that because it's taking a little bit longer to line up all the ducks, uh, that that it might be something more than that.
0: Yeah, that's a reasonable assumption to make. I mean, I think some of the consensus that we've heard from fans is that like, I don't want another Seasons of Origins right now. You know, it's like I'm looking for something bigger. And, you know, maybe it's the optimist in me that's that's thinks that they've actually seen that. And they're thinking like, yeah, we have to up the ante. We can't just make a big splash with the web series like we did a year ago. And on that note, um, there is kind of a bit of news, I would say, coming out of GateCon, which really came from the Brad Wright panel, where he confirmed that he is talking again to MGM. And, and we don't really know what that's going to look like, but that's a really good sign just in general for the franchise that they're going back to one of the key pillars, the key creative pillars that made the franchise what it is. And it's also a good sign for fans um, that were part of the Stargate Now campaign that might feel like they kind of got their voice heard that MGM is starting to maybe lean into past contacts who built the canon and the mythology we know. We're not going to get a Roland Emmerich reboot. It's just looking more and more like we're going Get a continuation of the universe that I think the majority of Stargate fans care deeply about.
1: I think that's right. the The, the fan campaign was was targeted specifically at let's let's have a new show that is in canon. Uh, uh, maybe it's a show that's created by the likes of Brad Wright and Rob Cooper, uh, or maybe somebody else. But it's at least in the universe that they created. So yeah it's super encouraging to me to hear Brad say that that he's talking to MGM again that they they're talking to him uh, because Stargate's been on the shelf. It's been on the top shelf at MGM for a long time and they did Stargate Origins uh, last year it was announced. and you know Brad and the other creators of the television universe were not involved in that project. So just the idea that whatever it is they're moving forward toward, That he's involved with it in some way shape or form i'm incredibly encouraged
0: for me it's like i kind of wistfully look at it as some kind of poetry because in in spring of 2011 the the news was delivered to us personally by brad that the franchise was was done that you know they had to take down the sets and they ran out of time to make the sgu movie or the crossover movies yeah now i mean what is it seven wow seven years later we're seeing brad Wright up on the stage saying hey you know we're starting to get the gears turning again i mean that's kind of how i look at it and like i'm all about the kind of like plants and payoffs you know it's like that's how life works it's like something that's dead comes back to life in the most Um ironic or poetic of ways so like that that's at least my way of looking at it
1: Yeah, and you know brad observed as much in his panel. He said at the beginning He said the last time I was here talking to a group of fans It was to announce that you know stargate universe had been canceled and those movies were not going forward Yeah, and it kind of looked like the end of the road for stargate. So it was cool. Yeah Uh, Seven however many years it's been seven years later for him to, to go back up on that stage at GateCon, this this convention that's had such a long, storied history with the franchise, and be able to say, we're talking again. Uh, he said, yeah, I've got the quotes here, uh, I wrote it up for GateWorld, if people wanna go read the full, the full context of the quotes, but he said, it's not like we're gonna be making a series anytime soon, it's just now that MGM acknowledges that they have this thing in their library, Stargate, it did really well for them, and it uh, potentially could again, so Brad said they want to keep it alive. MGM knows that Stargate needs to be kept alive. So he said as he, he, he did this a little bit and then Martin Wood came out and there was a little bit of crossover between their two panels. They got to, to chat a bit on stage. And then as Brad was exiting, he said again, he said to the, the fans, keep coming back to Stargate because, fingers crossed, it will continue in the future. We actually have a story just up on Gate World about RDA's comments from earlier this summer. Uh, just a few weeks ago, he was uh, at Fan Expo in Canada, and people were asking him about his potential return, right? If there was new Stargate, would he like to go back? And he said he was totally up for it, and he talked about the idea of, like, a miniseries where you're not committing yourself to filming 20 or 25 episodes of television, but you can just do an eight-part miniseries. Uh, that's, yeah, that, that's going to fit where he is at this point in his life and his career a little bit better.
0: And like, while we're on this topic, I know we didn't plan for this, but, but the third SG one movie Stargate revolution was rumored to bring to fruition a lot of longstanding, standing. um, Mythological elements, like just the existence of the Stargate program and, and the the public disclosure. I hope that's not a spoiler that's going to frustrate anyone. And and also maybe there were some rumors about Sam and Jack. You know, has their relationship, has their personal or professional relationship developed in any way? And and those are the kinds of things that like not only are going to provide immeasurable closure for fans of I'm talking specifically about SG1 here but if we were to publicly disclose the Stargate program that would just open up a wealth of story and creative opportunities going forward and 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 like you said like what better way to kick off a new era than bringing back some yeah. of our favorites or Atlantis or Universe 2 I mean Destiny's still out there everyone's in stasis Atlantis maybe is on the moon maybe it's in the San San Francisco Bay um I just see opportunity here and I, I, I'm just dying inside. I'm just really hoping that the studio is seeing the same things as the fans do because we're not too far gone that we can't bring back that kind of core cast of Stargate yeah. in canon.
1: Well, you've just suggested two awesome topics for future podcast discussions, <laughs> one of which is um, – uh, do fans need well? Obviously, fans need and want resolution sure. to the SGU story and the Atlanta story. But like, can we make can we make an argument to MGM that they ought to deliver that in some way, shape, or form? Uh, if they're going to move forward with the canon universe, you know, we need to know what happened to the Destiny crew. We need to know yeah. if Atlantis ever went back to the Pegasus galaxy. That's that's one big conversation we can we can do in the future. The other one is: Is it time for the Stargate program to be made public? Within the fictional universe, because that's that's a big story piece. And uh, I know from from talking with Brad over the years, that's a a big piece that he's been keeping in his back pocket deliberately. He's been waiting and waiting uh, for the right time for a big enough project to to pull out that card and to make that change in the Stargate universe, because once the program goes public. And you have a world that looks something like it did in that that alternate future timeline in 2010, the season four episode, where the gate is right. It's in, it's in a public space and it's being used for public transit from planet to planet. Um, once you once you take that step, everything's different. The Stargate universe going forward and storytelling in Stargate is different. So he wanted to save it. Uh, Brad wanted to save it eventually for a big movie. Right. But maybe if if things are different than they were 10 years ago and that's not necessarily uh, in the offing, maybe now's the time, maybe a miniseries or some short form project, whatever it is, maybe now's the time to pull that trigger and move into a new era for Stargate storytelling.
0: Right. And, and we've gotten pretty darn close to having the Stargate program disclosed, I mean, through numerous domestic incidents, you know, in the show. And, and also, I remember reading that Joe Malozzi said in uh, Enemy at the Gate, the series finale of Atlantis, They um, contemplated having the F-302 and Wraith fighter dogfight over like the Las Vegas Strip. I think their mindset was we can only logically contain this for so long. So we have to look for story opportunities to kind of start to break down those barriers. But again, it was the worst possible timing because they were thinking about this for the third SG-1 movie or the sixth season of Atlantis. And that's what we didn't get. So I still think there was one chapter left.
1: Okay, should we talk about the convention?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get everything from you. I want to hear what it was like, um, what interviews you got, and, and kind of I think one thing that social media can't totally deliver is kind of all these little conversations and interactions and friendships that are made on the convention floor. And, like, I really love to hear about that from people who have gone because that's kind of the community that I think keeps a lot of people coming back to Stargate.
1: Yeah, we talk a lot about, you know, who who are the big name actors who are there. People will you, you know get their photos taken with their favorite actor, they'll get, you know, autographs from Michael and Amanda and other people. Uh there'll be these big stage panels, but so much of a convention, especially a kind of smaller, intimate convention like Gatecon is just the people. Right? It's just it's the family that people you get to know and and hang out with and People who are repeat convention goers get to know the same people. The word that I kept hearing over and over again all through the weekend, and this was this was my first time at GateCon, was the word family. It was just, it felt like a family for everybody to come back together. And that includes the fans as much as the cast and crew, because, you know, we should start here. We should start with a little bit of GateCon's history for people who don't know it. GateCon is an institution in Stargate history. GateCon uh, started, the organizers got together and started in 1998 when SG-1 was in its second season. They started planning some kind of get-together, some kind of fan-organized convention. The first GateCon was held in the year 2000. SG-1 was in its fourth season at that point. And they've done, I think, a dozen of them now uh, they took a big break after universe. They took about five or six years off. So then 2016, Gatecon kind of made its big comeback. And now they're looking like they're man they're having a good time. so they're back in it 2018 and then they've already started talking about a big sort of 20th anniversary Gatecon celebration in 2020. You know, GateWorld's been around for just about as long. GateWorld started in 1999. So both GateCon and GateWorld have been around for uh, close to two decades now. Um, I've never been to GateCon. And boy, was this a long time in coming. Wait, really? Uh, I've been to other Stargate conventions uh, uh, in different parts of the country and in Vancouver. Um, but this was my first GateCon. It was probably the, the best convention I've ever been to. Um uh, the 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 access that you have to the to the cast and the crew is amazing, right? There were over forty cast and crew members there, uh, with you know a few hundred fans. So I mean, they're just kind of around. It's not like you don't have bouncers like keeping you away from the talent. <laughs> like, no, you want to go up and talk to to Tom Macbeth who played Mayborn, right? Go up and talk to him. You want to go? You want to go down to the hotel bar and have a drink? With David Deloise or Gary Jones or uh, uh, Steve Basic. That's the kind of stuff that can happen at GateCon. It's just, it's an amazing event. So I was thrilled to be able to go for my first time. But, you know, uh, my former partner in crime, David Reed, who worked on GateWorld for many, many years and is now on Stargate Command, his first GateCon was in 2003. So he has been going for years and years and years. Uh, and, right, he thinks of the GateCon. People, the 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 fans who keep coming back, and uh, the gatecon organizers really are family to him.
0: Right, and like I think what's interesting about meeting some of these actors or or people behind characters is, especially if it's your first convention, it's like there's a dissonance when you're looking at them. Like when you see Gary Jones not in uniform, you're like, huh? You're so used to these people being characters that inhabit your screen when you meet them in real life, there's kind of like some surrealism, but like once you break past the fact that, you know, Gary Jones is Walter Harriman, it's like, you get to know Gary Jones and you get to see his passion yeah. and his journey and, and what Stargate is meant to in his life as an actor. Cause most of these actors work just odd jobs. Really. They work, In in TV shows or movies, and you know, they rap, and that's the last time they see the cast and the director. But with Stargate, it's like 20 years later or even more, you're still coming back and socializing with your fellow creatives or with the crew or with the fans. And like, I just think that's so needed, you know what I'm saying? Because it it makes the fans feel like they matter, which they do incredibly. Stuff like Gaycon I've seen facilitated more mingling, you know what I'm saying? Between um, the cast and crew and the fans that's just exciting for me.
1: Yeah. So of course the, the main cast members that we've watched in hundreds of episodes are going to be the big draws. Um, Amanda tapping was there on Sunday. Michael Shanks was there on Sunday. Um, uh, Chris judge was there Friday and Saturday, rainbow Sun Frank's, uh, who was Lieutenant Ford on Atlantis. He was there. Uh, Tara Rothery was scheduled to be there. Unfortunately, she was ill and couldn't make it this year. But so that's that's one set of people, the people that we've seen a zillion times on Stargate. But then there's just dozens and dozens of other people who, you know, maybe they were a, a recurring character who we saw uh, many times, like J.R. Bourne, who played Martouf, Alexis Cruz, who played Scara, uh, Colin Cunningham was Major Davis. And then there's others who, you know, maybe they just made one appearance. Maybe they just made two appearances and they're less recognizable. But but yeah, I mean even 12 15 years after they did Stargate, you know, they they spent a week on Stargate. They still come to Gatecon. They come to these events and they meet fans and it's it's just a really kind of incredible thing because you know a lot of shows go away and a lot of fan bases kind of kind of dissolve and move on to other things. But Stargate fans are still there. The Stargate community is still there and is I, I obviously hungry for new content, but Just excited to meet the cast and excited to hang out with each other and talk about favorite episodes and favorite character moments. And, uh, yeah, the convention's a blast. I encourage everybody. This is just a giant sales pitch, uh, which (laughs) I don't get. I don't get any nickels from making. But, like, go to GateCon next time. If you can possibly make it to Vancouver in 2020, Uh, it's the experience of a lifetime.
0: And one of the things that's been kind of like a great joy to watch with this new era of of Stargate is even the primary cast members becoming like ambassadors for the franchise. Like particularly in this case, Chris Judge, like the amount of time he spent in the last year going to conventions or hosting dialing home or kind of being a Stargate ambassador, you know, a fan himself, but also in, in talks to create more Stargate content. This guy's so generous with his timing. He doesn't have to be for his career. He doesn't need to be, but he wants to. You know what I'm saying? And like, Stargate yeah, is still on it. so many people's minds. That's something that I think ties into that studio comment, where they're like, "Wow, we have a crown jewel of franchises here." And and I know Jenny, who who is working at Stargate Command, said the first question MGM asked was, "Is there still an audience for Stargate?" And like, the first ear, the first kind of step in creating a Stargate command and moving forward into this next chapter was like, yes,
1: absolutely. Let's show you. It does, you know, it does break the fourth wall to meet your favorite actors face to face. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. For us at Gate World, it was, I mean, uh, uh, interviewing an actor and going on the set and, and watching filming that changes your experience of the TV show. Right, the way that I watch and enjoy Stargate SG-1* uh, was completely different after I had been there and met the people and saw right how the sausage is made. Sure, but um, it 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 doesn't take anything away, right? So whatever whatever it is that you lose when the fourth wall breaks, you you get so much more back from, especially this cast. I mean, the Hollywood industry spoiler alert is like filled with some. Um, People you would not necessarily want to spend some time with and have a beer with. But the Vancouver film and television community and the Stargate family are just, it's just loaded with good, genuine people.
0: I think I heard a phrase like um, going to live in LA because you love movies is like going to live in a slaughterhouse because you love steak. And <laughs> I mean, I. Spent some summers in L.A. I went to college just outside of L.A. Like, yes, it can be brutal. And part of the reason that I love spending so much time with GateWorld and still with the Stargate community is because of that purity of spirit. The amount of effort and kind of savagery that goes into making stuff, even on a very professional level, is is kind of exhausting and demoralizing. And that's why you see smart and intelligent people get burned out. But, but part of what Stargate tapped into was such a rich community of individuals. And I think Brad and, and Rob were always careful about who they hired because they knew that their actors were gonna be ambassadors for the franchise, you know, especially as Stargate became a franchise. They kind of kept just such an incredible community. And that's also oh, yeah. represented or reflected within the fans. Like there's just some kind of supernatural force that's binding them together. And like, even when Stargate Phantom gets a little heated or gets a little on edge, I mean, sometimes people are on edge now. We're getting impatient for the next iteration of Stargate. There's still some kind of groundedness or civility and purity of spirit. I guess I want to ask you, like, what was it like on the convention floor? Like, what's the consensus
1: It felt like a celebration. It felt like a, like a homecoming, like a family reunion. Uh, It was, I think a lot of what we, what we end up doing online is kind of focusing on where the franchise is at right now and where we would like it to go. And, you know, come on MGM, please, please, please let's get this thing uh, off the launching pad again. Uh, But when you're kind of on the ground you know, when you're going to panels and, and having lunch with people and talking with people in the hall, um, it's a celebration of what Stargate is and what it what it has been in in our lives for 20 years. Right. So for a lot of us, this is it's, it's a show that means a lot. It's a show that has been important to our lives and has shaped who we are as people. It's not just a really cool TV show. And isn't it fun to meet actors? It's right. much more than that. For a lot of people it's and we heard story after story whether it was in the hallway or somebody talking to Amanda or going to a panel and asking a question. It, over and over again it's these shows have have mattered to people in some some really deep and personal ways.
0: Right. Well, I think you're like one of the top authorities to speak on that topic. You know what I'm saying because You've spent almost two decades of your life, not just being a Stargate fan, but but running GateWorld.
1: Yeah, it's definitely changed my life.
0: Yeah, try doing anything more than a year or two as an adult, and you kind of get tired, and you wonder, why the heck am I still doing this? Whether it's a hobby or, or a part-time job or something. And, like, I mean, you've been doing this for 20 years. I guess I kind of want to direct the question to you. Like, w- what keeps you coming back? Especially now, because you've been spending so much time in the last year. Um, I'd be curious to get your personal insight.
1: In the beginning, it was the show itself. It was the mythology and the writing, uh, and the cast. And then again, as I started to, you know, go behind the curtain and meet some of the people, meet some of the producers and some of the actors, and then, uh, meet them again and then see them a third time, and then they remember your name, and they give you a hug when they see you, uh, you you start to feel like you're a part of the Stargate family. And that's deliberate. They want fans to feel like they're invested in this. Uh, and and fans really are a part of the Stargate family. So, I mean, I can't imagine my life without Stargate now. Right? I don't just just maintain gay world after all these years uh, because it's a fun little hobby. Uh, I I, I don't know how I could not because it's been such a big part of my life for so many years. And it's, you know, it it matters to me that it matters to other people. Uh, I think GateWorld could disappear into the ether if I felt like it didn't matter to anybody anymore. But the fact that fans keep coming back, that the the community that we built at GateWorld over the years is still going strong, that people are hungry for new content and they want to celebrate the old stuff as well. Uh, that keeps me going too. The the gate world matters to other fans. But GateCon. I wanted to ask, what were some of the panels
0: like? Like what were the highlights of the panel? I mean, I did watch some of the live stream and, and have been reviewing some of the footage you actually shot, but like you got to sit through these and hear so much information and, and, and a lot of reflection and, and and kind of catching up with these old friends, so to speak, and where their career's at and how they view their legacy in Stargate. So What were some of the highlights from the panels in terms of of moments?
1: This convention was wall-to-wall panels. I don't know if you've ever been to any kind of a sci-fi convention before. I've been to other Stargate uh, events. I've been to Star Trek conventions uh, over the years, especially when I was in high school. I did some of the small, local uh, Portland-area Star Trek conventions that would have just like one guest at an airport hotel. So what the first thing that took me aback about the panels here at Gaycon was that they were just programmed wall to wall. It was just one after the next after to the next after for two and a half solid days. It was just panels. So uh, there's there's 40 plus people on the guest list. And I'd say most of them we saw two or three times on stage because they would do they would do not like um, one person gets, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes to talk, they actually would bundle them up and do group panels and they'd bundle them in kind of r- really fun, interesting ways. Like there was a Goa'uld panel where <laughs> it was, let me see if I can find my pictures or, or let's see, let's pull the Gould off the list here.
0: That was like four, four or five actors,
1: right? Yeah. So, uh, Jacqueline Samuda who played Neerti uh, was there. I got to say, I had not met Jacqueline before and anybody on this list who I would say is probably the most surprising versus my experience of their character on the screen. It was it was Jacqueline. Right. I expected her. Nerdy's a very intense character and and she's performed in a way that feels like she might reach out of the screen and grab me by the throat at any moment. <laughs> Jacqueline's just like this, this sweet, bubbly Canadian girl. It was amazing. Uh, so uh, she was there. Uh, Alexis Cruz was on the Gould panel because, of course, he played not only Scara, he also played Chlorel. Dean Aylesworth was one of the Anubises. Uh, he was in Reckoning when Anubis was inhabiting a, a human body and the body was sort of rapidly deteriorating, right, with like the flesh falling off the skin. Uh, that was Dean Aylesworth. Peter Williams was there, of course. Peter played Apophis uh, from the very beginning of SG-1, and then Douglas Arthurs, who played Harrower. So that was fun to just have all the Gould kind of lined up there, uh, talking about their experience playing villains.
0: I feel like if I saw them in passing, in the hallway without context, like my stomach would not up and I would have a split second reaction of like, am I in danger? Cause I'm so used to seeing them <laughs> as a villain on TV. And some of them do have very intense builds or personalities. So it's kind of, am I going to have to dodge a staff blast in a second? But, but it's so great to see how warm and fuzzy they are. Like really, yeah. they just want to meet people and hang out. And it's so it's weird to break that fourth wall.
1: Yeah, the other fun pairing that I wasn't expecting was uh, when Michael Shanks was there. Of course, people will know that Michael is married to Lexa Duig, who was on SG-1 as Dr. Carolyn Lamb in Seasons 9 and 10. Lexa, if you watch other sci-fi shows, you'll know her, of course, as Rami from Andromeda. Uh, She was on Continuum. She's one of these actors who's been in lots of different Vancouver-based science fiction shows. So she did the panel with Michael. It was it was the two of them, right? The, the married Stargate married couple <laughs> on stage together. And then also when when we did our interview for Gate World, we got to interview them together, which was amazing and hilarious because their chemistry is is a little hard to describe. They're uh, they're playing it up. The, the kind of old right. married couple aspect of it and and kind of poking at each other. And it was just hilarious. It was a ton of fun.
0: So in terms of Atlantis and Stargate Universe, I think proportionally there were far fewer guest appearances, but there were still a few. Can you kind of run through who was there from the other shows and maybe any highlights with them?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I didn't realize it at first, but I did, I did eventually – Come to the discovery that right, most of these actors are from SG1, and it's probably because GateCon goes back so far. Right. Because GateCon goes back to the early years of SG1, and that's a lot of these actors have done a ton of GateCons, so they get invited back. So it does end up kind of SG1 heavy. But from Atlantis, Rainbow Sun Franks was there. Uh, the other main cast member from Atlantis was Paul McGillian, of course, Dr. Beckett. Uh, we got to interview Paul as well. Uh, Andy Frizzell, the Wraith Queen, was there. Yeah, not a ton from Stargate Universe, but Peter Kalamis was there. Uh, Sharon Taylor, who was one of the technicians, Amelia Banks from the later years of SGA, she was around as well.
0: She was the one who kind of got kind of cozy with Ronan at the very end of season five, right?
1: The very end of the season, yeah, very end of the series. Interesting new directions should there have been a season six for Ronan and, and technician Banks.
0: Very interested to see how that would have played out, but <laughs> perhaps we'll never know.
1: Yeah, I guess it was not to be. I actually didn't get to meet Sharon. I was I was excited to, to meet her, but uh, our paths did not cross.
0: So part of what
1: I love about conventions and, and what
0: makes me really want to be able to go to some of these is that apart from panels, you also have some interactive stuff like you had uh Uh, Colin Cunningham, who plays Major Davis in Stargate Atlantis, has a band and he brought his band to play for one of the nights. And you have like a cosplay. I don't know if it's a competition or just kind of like a celebration. What else was there in the way of fan celebrations?
1: Yeah, GateCon does panels all day long and then there's a break for dinner and then you come back and there's after dinner entertainment. So uh, there was a big banquet, uh, GateCon banquet on Friday night. And then as dinner's kind of wrapping up, Colin and his band, his band is What the Funk, started uh, performing. And we got a whole stage show of just this, like, awesome funk music. And people got up and they were dancing and uh, it, was, it was a great time. And, of course, it's amazing as a Stargate fan to see, you know, Major Davis up there playing the sax.
0: Because he always shows up when there's a disaster in, in Stargate SG-1 and now he's here playing music. So that's a big leap to take.
1: And he's buttoned down, right? The character of Major Davis is really kind of buttoned down officer who's you know going to cut to the chase and get the problem solved. And Colin is the opposite of that. Colin is is a wild man. When we first showed up on Thursday night, there was a little informal meet and greet and Colin was just working the room. Colin was just going from table to table, taking selfies with people. Uh, that was a blast. So that was on Friday night, and then Saturday had the big costume competition, which uh, you can find photos on Gateworld in our Gatecon gallery of the costume competition. Uh, there was a there was an Adria that was that was good. Of course, lots of people in green sG fatigues right, uh, there was a there was a a Lyia, the Knox, who looked terrific. And then the winner of the costume competition uh, was Hathor. There was a really great Hathor. We had the costume competition on Saturday, and then that kind of segued immediately into the charity auction, Gatecon. Because it's fan run, it's uh, it's not for profit, so they do a big auction every year, and the proceeds go to charity. So Gatecon will select one particular charity to support for that year. And this year it was Cystic Fibrosis Canada, which is a charity that's particularly near and dear to the heart of Jr. Bourne, uh, who plays Martouf on the show. So uh, the auction was fantastic. Uh, It was a ton of fun. Uh, I can tell you about some of the the higher profile items, but they raised well over $30,000 for Cystic Fibrosis Canada this year.
0: It's an incredible amount. Sometimes these charities, it's great to have them, but the turnout isn't always amazing. Just to see that generosity is really cool for me.
1: And it wasn't a big room, right? So it's a few hundred Stargate fans. This year, they didn't get a, a professional auctioneer to call. Instead, they just had a bunch of the actors show up. And the actors would just kind of take turns, like, here's our next item. And they'd try and describe it and they'd walk it up and down the aisle. JR was there. Colin Cunningham was there. Uh, Barry Campbell was there on stage. Peter Williams showed up. Rainbow showed up. Uh, Andrew Jackson, who, again, here's Andrew Jackson is one of these guys who's been on a zillion things. Uh, A lot of it is under prosthetic makeup for different shows. Uh, uh, You would you would recognize him from a lot of different Vancouver shows. But his role on Stargate was super brief. He was in the season four episode Divide and Conquer. He played Persis, who was the high counselor of the Tok'ra. It's just one episode. He just he's at the beginning and he's at at the end of that episode. But he's part of the Stargate family because of that appearance. So he was there as well. So the biggest item at the auction, the biggest ticket item, there were a couple of scripts there. One was an autographed script from Camelot, the ninth season finale. And this wasn't just a script. This is Martin Wood's uh, kind of shooting script. So it it has all of his extra sort of production notes and and stick figure storyboards of like how he's going to approach different shots. Uh, Camelot, that went for, I think, around $2,500. Wow. And so I tweeted like, I think this is going to be the, the winner for the night. This is it. And then we got a little bit later on into the evening towards the end. And there was a wormhole extreme script. Now, this one, it wasn't just a script. It was a full like production notebook with all the sort of continuity photos and other sorts of things in with it. But um, it wasn't even autographed. It had a, a, a photocopied facsimile of a front page with autographs. But still... Because it's such a cool, unique item, it went for $5,000. <laughs> wow.
0: That's a lot. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, so we were blown away.
0: Now, I wonder if they auctioned the Revolution or Extinction script, how much money they can raise, because I know <laughs> I would be willing to shell out a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, a few of us could get together and, and uh, maybe bid on that one.
0: It's an idea for next year, if anyone's listening. Please.
1: So that was a ton of fun. We also did some interviews throughout the weekend, um, most on video. Uh, The one audio interview I got was with Steve Basic, who played Camulus on SG-1. He was also major Coburn in the early seasons. He's a super cool guy, right? I'm a big Andromeda fan. So uh, I really wanted to talk to him uh, about his Andromeda experience, even though it was a lot of years ago. Uh, he played Rade, both of the Rades on Andromeda. So, yeah, we just got to kind of chill out and talk about his career, talk about Andromeda, talk about Stargate. That was a ton of fun. But then the video interviews that we got that will be coming to Gate World and to our YouTube channel are Amanda Tapping, Michael Shanks and Lexa Duig. Uh, I had a great conversation with Simone Bailey, who I was super excited to meet this weekend and got to spend some time with. She played the Jaffa Khalel. She's the, uh, the representative of the Hawk Teal on the Free Jaffa Council in the later seasons of the show. So we talked to her. We talked to uh, director Martin Wood. We talked to Patrick Curry, who played the Replicator Fifth, as well as a couple other roles under prosthetics. And we talked to Paul McGillian. So we've got all that coming to GateWorld in the next few weeks.
0: It's starting to feel like the old days again. Right.
1: I know right now. <laughs> go to Vancouver and come home with a bunch of interviews and a bunch of photos for you guys to see. It's it's uh, starting to feel like the old days.
0: Well, like a year ago, it was like, who can we interview? How do we get this going again? And now we're at a place where it's like there's so many that are backlogged. It's like, how do we get these transcribed and edited and get them out in a timely fashion? So it's a very good problem to have, as I think my point.
1: Yeah, for sure. And hopefully there's more opportunities in the future. GateWorld's going to be at GateCon the next time they, they host it. And hopefully there's, you know, by 2020, I really hope there's new Stargate to talk about. There's, there's maybe new, new cast members we don't know yet uh, who are part of a new project. So thanks for letting me dump on you about GateCon and all the fun that I got to have without you. I'm glad that they <laughs> live streamed so that you could, you could see a, a bunch of what's going on. My huge thanks to the GateCon organizers, to Richard and Fryn and Alan and Ian and Steph for welcoming GateWorld to GateCon. Uh, I'm excited to do it again. And then we have lots more coming up on the GateWorld podcast. I think we've got uh, some good stuff to talk about. We'll be able to do some shows on a little bit more regular basis for a while. Hopefully we'll find out what MGM's cooking up pretty soon. But in the meantime, we have our 150th podcast coming up next. Uh, Adam do you want to say anything about that
0: yeah I just I I think that's a mile marker and so it'll be interesting to see what happens beyond that and we're having we're having David Reed back which is really special because he's he's graduated to actually working for Stargate or working for MGM on Stargate full-time and hosting the official Stargate podcast and co-hosting Dialing Home and working on a wealth of content you know being a face for Stargate being at the conventions and you know, he he got his start really working for GateWorld, and he co-hosted, gosh, I don't know, 100 and something, 120, 130, 140 episodes of the podcast with you. Um, so I'm super excited about that.
1: He wrote me when we were approaching around, I think, podcast 145 or so. Yeah. He just wrote me out of the blue and said, like, you're not doing 150 without me, are you? <laughs> So they're like, no, no, we're gonna, we'll do a whole party. We'll, we'll celebrate Stargate. We'll celebrate Gate World, and we'll, we'll, uh we'll talk about old stories. And then 2019 is not that far away, dude. 2019 wow. is the 10th anniversary of SGU, and it's the 15th anniversary of Atlantis. <laughs> uh, there's, there's gonna be a ton to do.
0: I feel archaic. Someone needs to carbon date me. It's like, man, a decade.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're so old. So thanks everyone for joining us and we hope to see you back here next time for another edition of the GateWorld Podcast.